Hey, this is Zach. Do you guys deliver? Could I get an extra large cheese and pep, um, cup and charronis, regular sauce, none of that sweet shit? And can you make it a little extra crispy? It's on uh, Todd from Wild Art. He'll pay for it. Thanks. Uh, hi guys, it's me, Adam. And it's Marissa. And, and this is, this is natural, natural disasters. disasters. It's hard, much harder to do not in person. Yeah, we're we're still on Zoom today. Still zoom uh, in. Zoom in the world. Did you ever play Cruise in the World? Anyone? No, I don't know what no? that is. Sorry, Cruise in the World is a, a classic. Is that like Cruising? Is that like Cruising USA? In USA. The okay, yeah. I remember that game. Yeah, I'm like this is like a classic. I was like where you're. Talk- yeah. Pizza, like, I mean, I just remember going to, like, softball pizza parties and playing Cruise in the World, so. It's funny, I had a conversation with somebody recently who was, um, you know, a little bit younger than me, who didn't really remember the fact that, like, pizzerias and arcades were kind of the same thing (laughs) once upon a time. Yeah. That, like, there were arcades, but, like, every pizzeria was also kind of an arcade for the most part. And so, like, I was trying to explain that. I was like, I don't know, you would just go to a pizzeria and there'd be, like, a bunch of arcade games. I don't know why, but there would. Like pizza yeah. and arcades are kind of just, they were just like synonymous. That's where everyone, local softball team had a party. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, well, welcome to our first episode of Drunk Dial, um, which is uh, where you guys call in and leave us some questions. So we're going to go yeah, through. It's kind of, we, have, we have a phone number that you can call um, and leave a message of a question or... Or, 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 um, or request a pizza. Yeah, and the phone number for anybody who wants to call in is 213-245-1503. That's 213-245-1503. Yeah, and you can just leave a message kind of about anything. I mean, I know that we're all kind of alone and separated right now. So even if you just need to, like, reach out and have us talk to you, sure, why not? I'm, I'm into that. Why not? Yeah. We all okay, need somebody to talk to. So I'm just kind of going to play them, um, and we'll see, we'll see where it There's goes. There's a couple but, that I was like... I don't know, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We're, we we were going to map this out, but we decided just to take it. Let's wing it. Yeah. Okay. This one doesn't have a, tra- a transcription, so I don't even know what this one says. Are you ready? I'm ready. Oh, wait. All right, ready? All right, here we go. Yes. Hey, this is Rudolf Steiner here, trying to get into some more white wines lately. Could you guys please recommend any good varietals growing on the West Coast that I should try? Any unoaked expressions or any wineries that you're really crushing on at the moment? It'd be greatly appreciated. Peace. I think that was a good question. I mean, Rudolf Steiner, that's a good, that was a good uh, alias. I'm so, yeah, well, I was about to say like, wow, Rudolf from the grave, like asking for some <laughs> California whites. That's uh, yeah. pretty impressive. Rudolf um, Steiner, for people who don't know, is the... The, the founding father of the biodynamic movement and many yes. other things but he was a philosopher then and yeah. that's what he's one of the Can things you, he montessori about. schools is he involved in montessori schools i don't i don't, I don't have a kid why are you asking me <laughs> i'm like so the, the last question, person so the question white wines to consume 
out of the West Coast, I'm assuming they mean the United States, like California or I'll tell you one that I had one I had recently was a blend of um I'm pretty sure it's a blend of uh, um French varietals, I might be wrong. Um, but it's called um I think it's Out of the Meadow by Martha Stuman. I know that we're a big fan of hers, but that was probably one of the best white wines I've had in a really long time. Um, I'm trying to see, look it up, but that um, I had it a couple weeks ago and it was phenomenal. Um, I'm, I could double check on the, the varieties that were in it, but man, that was really fucking good. An- another one that I know, I, I feel like we've brought up a lot, but he's sort of become sort of what really well known for his white wines in California is Chad Hines. And he has, oh, a handful of, he has a handful of projects. He does uh, Zavage. He does Uncavale with Wolfgang. And he does, I don't know how to say it, Irui, I think, Irui, which are mm-hmm. like Alpine grapes. Um, and he does a lot of white wines, and they're all, they're all delicious and, and exceptional. Yeah, and his Chenin, like his Chenin Blancs. Yeah, his just, Chenin Blancs are, and his Sauvignon Blanc with Uncavale. Is really wonderful. Um, I'm trying to think of who else I've been tasting lately because I have been drinking probably more uh, California oh, uh, wines than Flores by normal, James, who was, but, who was on our show. That 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 Chardonnay was delicious. Absolutely, and you know who else does a really incredible Chardonnay Blanc is um, is Megan of Margins, who oh, yep. mm-hmm. is also from the same from the same group as um, as as um james James. i'm not i i can't find the right now my uh, you know technology oh wait here we go Um, i'm i'm looking this up now as we talk about this okay i have out of the meadow um from martha is let's see it's a mix of oh i'm like hold on it says it's not tell oh here we go it's shannon blanc vermentino trousseau gris um, green Hungarian. I don't even know what that is. And then something that I cannot make out in this photo, but it looks French. So yeah, but I love that wine. Me and Ben, that was one of my favorite wines that I've had in recent memory. I haven't had that many since the shingles thing. So it's easy for me to remember (laughs) which ones are good. Um, but that one was great. I think that California has a lot of uh, potential right now. And, um, any of those winemakers I think would be great to, to grab something from yeah and i think that like you said california is um we're we've gone through many renaissances and we're going through another one kind of right now and i think part of that is sort of a revitalization of the white wine industry and the natural wine community and people making things in the natural way and so no new oak for the most i mean you just don't see it and then beyond that oh you know who else uh uh um lady of the sunshine gina she makes incredible white wines too um it's scar the sea yeah all right um yeah for sure next 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 up oh boy uh yes this is sean from north carolina uh first off i love you both uh adam you're great marissa you're amazing my question is what bordeaux should i drink while enjoying a nice Frito pie. Love the podcast. Talk to you guys later. Bye. <laughs> uh, first of all, love Frito pie. I don't know. I was just we talk- to say, have I we talked about that on the pod? Have we talked about that on the pod? I, I don't remember. know because I genuinely love Frito pie. Me too. Me too. I think it's like an underrated junk food. It I really is. Like- so shouts to, shouts to the Frito pie um, for sure. Um, um, 
He needs to add a Bordeaux. Bordeaux. I mean, I, I find it interesting that you want Bordeaux and Frito Pie. I like that high-low mix. Um, I don't know if I'd necessarily go Bordeaux, but I would go, if you're going to go Bordeaux varieties, you could do like yeah. Loire Valley Cab Franc, right? So it's you're, you're, I know it's different, but you're, you're drinking Cab Franc, which sort of is going to emulate some of those, but I think it might be better with some, depending on how sp- spicy the chili is on the, uh, that's what, on, on the Frito Pie. That's what um, I was going to say. I, I was going to say, on the one hand, I, I, my my initial reaction is, if you want to drink a Bordeaux with Frito Pie, have it be whatever Bordeaux you want, because I think that board like red Bordeaux in general are going to not help this. Excuse me. Um, this I am drinking a White Claw because I uh, I drank a wine on Friday that halfway through made me it was so bacterial it made me throw up. So I'm a little burpy today. Uh, some, some of the problems with natural wine. Um, but so immediately it's like, just drink whatever Bordeaux you want because if you're drinking a big hot red with Frito pie, which I'm assuming, you know, calling from North Carolina and if it's just Sean, I, I know, I, I, I believe that if this is going to be spicy, that Bordeaux and the spice is already going to be, you know, in, in, in competition with one another. So I would almost say, like I would go more burgundy. I would go like next door to burgundy and get a Pinot Noir personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, Something like just a little bit lighter. Or if you wanted to go into California, you could do like a California version of those varieties because they're going to be a little riper, a little bit fruitier. They're going to have a little bit more of like a, a not a sweetness, but like a fruitiness to it that, that, that I think will work well with the spicy. Also, though, this brings up something interesting, which is that there isn't a lot of natural wine that comes out of Bordeaux um i mean there there's is some. i mean i yeah. mean there's some i'm not saying it doesn't i don't i'm definitely not saying it doesn't exist but what i'm saying is that there really isn't as much bordeaux natural wine at least that we get out here in california from my experience um you know and also too you got to think about that region it is like very commercialized it's very you know people buy bordeaux because they want a bordeaux so we don't have uh, my experience with bordeaux is a lot more limited than it is with other regions in that area because it doesn't, ha- I don't, they don't export as much of this, but I, but it's also cool because I think that natural wine is growing in that region. So I think that we're going to have a lot to look forward to in the future when it comes to um, Bordeaux wines and like the intersection of natural wines and stuff. But also you guys know how I feel about pairing. I'm like, just fucking drink whatever. <laughs> like do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for this next one? You know it. It's rather long, it looks like. So I don't know if we can play the. Uh, we'll play it right now and listen to it, but wow. All right, are you ready? Hey, guys, this is Tony, um, long-time listener. I love the show. Um, hope you guys are all doing well. Um, I just had something that maybe I'm a winemaker. Um, we're pretty non-interventionalist, uh, wouldn't call us. You know, we don't fly the natural wine flag, but for all intents and purposes, that's what we do. Um, I was thinking about VA the other day and um, was with some winemakers. Uh, they're talking to some sommeliers back east that work at some natural natural wine spots, uh, Hen of the Wood and Deathless and whatever, um, and was thinking, I think VA is misunderstood by a lot of people, and I think a lot of um, what people are mistaking for terroir or for structure or for, you know, nuance um, is actually a VA problem. 
And uh, given the regulations in the U.S. on what are acceptable levels of VA, you know, obviously you want some, you don't want too much. Um, I think that's something that maybe it's a little bit too technical to discuss with people that aren't winemakers, but as you guys are and sort of know what's going on. Um, just talk about what VA is, what it's caused by, how it's suppressed, whether that's through uh, winemaking techniques, cleanliness in the vineyard, your fermentation, um, you know, small sulfur usages, things like that. I just think that's something that people who uh, are into natural wine maybe don't understand a lot of, and they mistake those aromas and flavors um, for something else. Um, again, love the show, love the uh, the hats. I got a, I got the whole Beaujolais set. Uh, absolutely love it. Wear it every day. And um, you guys are awesome. But uh, yeah, I just think the VA is kind of an interesting question that I think winemakers talk about uh, a lot but the general public might mistake, and I think you could probably maybe explain some of that to people without coming off, uh, you know, 30,000 feet. Maybe you bring it down to 300 and tell people just what it is, what's caused by, and what different natural winemaking producers are doing to control it or not control it, uh, depending on whether you're in France or the U.S. or wherever. Um, and then another cool thing that you guys uh, have looked into the new natural wine um, certificate and labeling in Europe and dug into that, it's pretty interesting stuff, uh, kind of doing it myself as I'm pretty bored in between topping off and bottling, um, but uh, it's kind of an interesting, interesting thing to put a label on, so cool, keep up the great work, uh, you guys are awesome, and I uh, hope everyone is well, and I uh, hope the new um, shop uh, that your wife's doing is, uh, is up and running soon, thanks man. Okay, so that was a long one, and that did yeah. get a little technical. But thank you, um, Tony. But thank yeah, you absolutely. For and thank you for listening. Thank you for buying that. And, and I think VA is actually a, 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 a big topic of conversation in the natural wine community and, and in the con, not conventional. And what, what were we saying in the, in the commercial, or I guess in the conventional um, um, wine world as well. Yeah. So for real quick, for those of you that don't know what um, volatile acidity is, a lot of it, um, a lot of us will refer to it simply as VA, which does stand for volatile acidity. Um, so th this is like caused by two compounds in the wine. Um, one of them is, um, I, I might be pronouncing this wrong, so I apologize, but it's um, acetic acid. So it's A-C-E-T-I-C -E acid. Um, is the is the 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 primary compound, and that's also found in. It's like more commonly known as vinegar, like it's straight up vinegar. Um, and then the, another compound is um, basically the same as um, it's ethyl acetate. Um, is another thing that can cause volatile volatile acidity. I do think that Tony brings up a really good point that people that are new to, um, and this is a this is an issue that I've I've been nervous about since starting writing about natural wine on a larger level. You know that um, flaws can be mistaken as flavors, and that's the big thing that's happened with VA, and and it happens with Brettanomyces as well. Um, that these things are mistaken as terroir. Um, I I'm I'm guilty of that when I. I first started drinking natural wine, I thought that all wines from the Loire just tasted like barnyard. I did not know it was Pernomyces. Um, so VA, you know, volatile acidity, it shows itself um, in wines as um, either vinegar or sometimes it can also come off like um, nail polish remover. Um, in, in small doses, this can um, 
you know, it adds like a really nice balsamic quality, I think, to some wines. Can, some people use the language, it can elevate a wine in small doses. Yes, yes, it does like, it can really elevate flavors of like raspberry and strawberry with this like balsamic quality that's very, very nice. It also can completely overtake a wine and just end up tasting like vinegar or like nail polish remover or paint thinner there's a lot of i mean i think i think eric asimov i mean i'm gonna go off a slight tangent but then come back uh uh, eric asimov actually brought it up in an article he wrote recently about natural wine where he said that why do we consider these things faults or flaws but then over oaking or using too much commercial right like so there's there's lots of things that can sort of overtake the terroir of a wine and um whether it's the volatile acidity or 100% new American oak. Well, that's, yeah, and that's kind of like always a thing that I've stood by as well. Like, it's, it's like, okay, any, my, my description of a good wine is that um, there's no one characteristic that is taking over the rest of the, of the, of the, of the wine. So like if all you're tasting is, nail, is, is vinegar, just like if all you're tasting is vanilla oak, both of those wines are fucked up. You yeah, know what I mean? Totally. Um, and because, so, uh, Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was I, I was going to go into the science a little bit, not too deep. Yeah, please but... do, please do. So he has I... he asked a little bit about the science of it, and and I'm not a chemist by any means. Um, so my my understanding is still of a a, a a a someone who's learning as a student of this. But from what I've learned and from what I've been taught is that VA is definitely something. It's an oxygen related thing. So um, one of the first places you learn about VA when you're making wine is if you're doing open tank fermentation, punch downs, right? So you, you, you're doing punch downs to keep all the skins um, uh, uh, moist, moist and wet. And, right? and, and, um, and circulating throughout the wine. Right, or pump overs warm. sometimes, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, another uh, uh, place where you'll see um, uh, VA is native ferment, which all natural winemakers do. Um, and the reason with that is you can get like stuck or, or slow or like just sort of drawn out fermentations. So that's more exposure to oxygen, I believe. And for those of you that don't really get like what, like if if you're like a quote like stuck fermentation basically means it's stopped and you need it. It's like stopped, not, but it's not done and you need to kind of keep it moving to get the product out And so with, and with that too, what happens is the longer that's happening. So while wine is in barrel, specifically barrel, uh, not so much in, 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 not really in tanks, you lose a certain amount of, of you know, uh, of wine, right? And so there's something, this thing called topping off, which is where you take wine and you put it in the barrel to make sure that the headspace, so like the, the wine to uh, oxygen ratio is less, because if you have too much of it, obviously, again, that's too much exposure to oxygen. So so too long of an exposure, so of not topping off, can, can be an issue that comes about in, um, in for VA. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of these things are just, and also, oh, sorry, one of the big things is SO2. SO2, using, using sulfur is a really great way to, 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 mitigate these problems and and we're talking about using sulfur during the fermentation process this is not using sulfur like at bottling um which is you know different like this is talking about like adding small parts of sulfur um during the fermentation process correct yeah and this is a bacterial infection i I don't know if i said that or not well no and that's like the thing i mean these are these are like compounds you know like these are these are 
you know, it's not that they're bad. It's just that they're, you know, they're, they're microbes like that are a part of, you know, the, the yeah, natural wine. So in natural winemaking, you, your, your risks are definitely higher. That's why a lot of people uh, will say things along the lines of like natural winemaking isn't lazy or easier. It's actually harder and more difficult. And I, I'm guilty of it myself, but I think there's also a lot of people that get into natural winemaking who maybe don't have the former educate, formal education of like a UC Davis education or something. And so like my, my, bio, my understanding of microbiology and stuff is not as, is not as astute, but I learned from, also, I learned from other oh ways. I've learned from, from, from doing, and I also learned from observation and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, but I, I don't know. I have a hard time with hating VA though. No. And I don't think that that's what Tony was saying. I, I actually don't mind some B, VA. Um, I, not to plug like my stuff I've written, like there was a thing I wrote called like the beginner's guide to flaws and faults. It's on bonappetit.com. You can Google it. That kind of goes through, um, like all of them. Um, one thing I want to address that like Tony also, you know, he was asking, um, if we know what winemakers are doing to, you know, um, mitigate VA, you know, how they're handling it. And I think on my end, you know, for Adam, you know, he's learning with wine, you know, he's making his own wine. So he's learning through that. And then also too, um, I'm, you know, I, I'm more of an observer when I'm, when I'm working with people. And a lot of times, like I've sort of like run into winemakers that are very, very, very like, um, concentrated on like all of these issues. And like, basically like Adam said, you know, just like being really, um, it's not easy work to be extremely attentive and, and to be watching your wine, like every day evolve and be, um, and most of the winemakers I know that do talk about this, they're talking about how they have to be with their wines constantly in order to be mitigating these problems and like, you know, topping off and adding little bits of sulfur here and there and doing what they can to, um, minimize it. But then there's also a lot of winemakers that I just don't think give a fuck. Like, you know, yeah, like, and that's, and that's okay. Or sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. And like, for me, that's like, for me, for me, I would rather drink a wine with high VA than a wine that's been completely neutered from, from conventional yeah. winemaking. And then, and then on top of that, like for me also VA sometimes, you know, I, I think that it, if you're talking to like a classical musician and then you're talking to somebody who plays a little bit more ex experimental music and, you know, and, and the person who's playing experimental is playing on an out of tune instrument, right? The person who's the classical musician might have a hard time even being able to listen to the music because they're like, it's all out of tone or, 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 you know, it's all, it's all out of key or, oh, I can't listen yeah. to this. All I can hear is that this piano is not tuned properly. Where well, somebody but this goes, who's not well, in tuned to all that might actually be like, I love that song. What do you mean? And then the classical musicians like, oh, it was all completely out of out of key. It was not tuned properly. So like, I think it's all our own experiences. It it really well. is. And like in my piece, like that, just it's a really it is like the beginner's guide. But it really kind of goes into like, I kind of compare flaws and faults to people, like the flaws of people. You know, like there are some flaws that make, like flaws are what make us, you know, individuals and who we are. Speak and like, for yourself, flawless over here. I am not flawless. <laughs> You've been on Instagram lately. Um, but, you know, I, um, we do all have different tolerances for it. Um, also too, what's interesting about, I think about VA or any of these things, you know, is that I also think that um, Tony's question, um, 
kind of points us to the future of natural wine as well, because we are going through a moment where a lot of the public that just got into natural wine in the last couple of years are realizing that things like VA and Fernandomyces that overtake these wines are not terroir, you know, are not these things. And like the more education we put out there, the more the consumer learns how to differentiate one, like between, you know, VA and other things. And then also to can, I think eventually they kind of get bored of it. Like it, they get bored of like the, like if you've had 30, if you only had two wines that taste like VA, you're like, holy shit, this is crazy. But once you've had like 50 wines that all taste exactly the same of VA, you know, you're kind of like, well, fuck, this is like- Yeah, what do you the- remember the first time you ever had kombucha and you were like, yeah. what the fuck is this? And now like I can drink kombucha and I don't think that at all. I'm not like, my brain isn't like readjusting what I'm drinking. But I think the conversation that Tony is getting at will become more important um, in the natural wine community. Um, or not more important, but more talked about publicly um, in the next couple of years. I do think that there's some things about flaws and faults like this that a lot of winemakers just don't want to talk about also. Yeah. you know, At least not with me. They're like, fuck, this is a, a journalist. I put that in quotes, air quotes. But uh, people don't want to talk about that with me. So... But, Speaking of which, I forgot to talk about what I'm drinking. Oh yeah, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a little a Beaujolais from Matilda and Stefan Derue. It's called mm. Lou Cafetou. Um, it's a Beaujolais Village 2018. Um, it is delicious. It's from Roni Selections. Oh no, it, awesome. it's through Roni. It's actually through Owen Kotler Selections, OK Selections in Seattle. But Roni has it down here in Los cool. Angeles. Um, it is freaking delicious. I haven't drank wine since Friday since I drank that really bad one. Like talking about like needing to talk about like, uh, like this is the second or third wine I've had in my career where like I drink half a glass of it and it immediately makes me throw up. Oh, like, well, I, you know, if you, if you, for whatever chance, if, if, when that, 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 that no longer is the issue and you want to drink a bottle of this, it is currently available at Good Wine Luck, uh, <laughs> Good Luck Wine Shop. Uh, well, you com. gave me this sick beanie, this sick white claw beanie. So now I'm all set. Yeah. Um, do we want to listen to another and uh, some more voicemails? Let's do another one. So that's goodluckwineshop.com. That's my wife's new wine <laughs> shop. I'm really proud of her. She's doing she's as as you should be. Yeah. Also, you can get um, signed copies of my book through their shop. Yeah, that's that's true as well. All right, this is another uh, uh, longish one. All right. Wait, yeah, is, are you I, I feel like I know which one this is going to be because I did listen to some of them. But go on. All right. Let's, uh, let's, I, okay. <laughs> Hi, how are you guys? My name is Danny Apolito. My uh, Instagram handle is Shaolin Sam. I'm a uh, sommelier from Staten Island, New York, and I, I love you guys. I follow you guys, your heroes. Um, I just wanted to ask, I guess, how do you feel about the kinds of personalities that are in the, are in the wine industry in 2020? You guys have been both at the forefront, the birth of the cool, if you will, in terms of what wine could be and demonstrate for people seeking concrete examples of their identities in certain bottles, winemakers, and movements. What does natural wine from unique and less than super famous locations mean for job opportunities for young, talented people in all areas of this business? And how do you feel about people finding themselves in wine, whether purposefully or accidentally? Um, really cool to talk to you guys. I wish you all well in this time of crisis. I'm just looking to keep the conversation going, and uh, it's an honor. My name is Danny Apolito. My Instagram handle is Shaolin Tom. Thanks to you uh, and Marissa for uh, all your help and support and um, just standing for something good in time of crisis. Well, I mean – that was incredible (laughs) i'm like i'm like we really did not set this up for people to like be so nice to us but i'm very happy i'm very thank you danny that was really appreciative um and i loved hearing your staten island accent 
I know. I love, I love that. Danny, stuff. thank um, you very much. That was very sweet. Yeah, really. All of the messages, actually, actually, all the messages. Thank you to everyone that's been leaving. Us we actually didn't there. get any hate mail that I know of. I didn't delete anything, so just wait. <laughs> <laughs> that's two one three. <laughs> on two, let me, let me say it again. Just, two no, one three. It? Two four five one five zero three. All your all your hate messages. Um, no, Danny, I, that was great, I, and I think that was a great question. I want to. Um, I guess I'll start from the back front in the sense, in the terms of like um, a question. Like there was a lot of questions packed into that. Um, one of the ones that I think is really important um, is that like you know how do we feel about people that find themselves in wine, either whether that's on purpose or on on accident. I feel that's great because I. I fell into wine on I, like I'm, I did not ever in a billion fucking years did not think this was going to be my career at all. So I'm very I love when people fall fall into wine accidentally, and I think that there's a lot of people that do that. And um, I all I can hope is like you know when like in terms of like my legacy, I guess um, since it was kind of brought up in there is like all I can hope is that I'm an example. You know, like the, my work. I've always put forth as I hope an example that like you don't have to necessarily be a wine professional to enjoy and understand wine or if you want to you don't have to like you know that maybe if you accidentally find yourself in love with wine like that's amazing and like I want I want that for people because wine has brought me a lot of joy like I I that to me is very um is wonderful and, and exciting so yeah and I, I, that's always I mean I don't know that's been something that I've been championing too. I mean, that's why you and I became friends because I feel like yeah. we're both championing the same thing. We and were the like, origin of this coolness, apparently, according <laughs> to Danny. So, which is which is that we we truly believe that that wine is a a a drink that is accessible to everybody, and and the the image and idea of it being this this only this uh, exclusive and um, uh, ultra uh, uh, what's it called luxury item is just we just didn't uh, appreciate or like. Um, and, and, and we bring that up too in this question, which is uh, uh, sort of drinking wine from, 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 from places that maybe you're not accustomed to drinking wine. And I really, that's one of the things specifically in California in my winemaking that I'm really excited about is seeing regions that aren't Napa, aren't Sonoma, aren't Mendocino, aren't these sort of, historic places start to get some recognition and i think it's happening all over the world in fact yeah and i was gonna say i was gonna say too like uh, the emergence of um uh you know the the czech republic wines as well as slovakia slovenia like the eastern um and central even like austria too you know which we i know has been like kind of a part of the scene but like you know seeing wines from um even like you know Europe that you wouldn't necessarily think of or now you know there's a lot of there's a lot more stuff coming out of southern America um it I think all of that's really exciting because it gives even professional like professionals that are drinking wine all the time uh, you know a space to like be curious about again so I think it's great like I love I love hearing about wines that are being made in places that exactly something to look forward to and I'm curious about and like I think that the most important thing about you know um wine or really anything in this world is curiosity like where where like curiosity is how we keep going um you know like you got you got to stay curious as for like Instagram personalities of 2020 I don't know if we uh I I don't I kind of or like or wine personalities I guess but I kind of associate them as the same thing you know um I 
personally, you know, have a, it's, it's, um, it's a diff, that's like a, that's an interesting thing. Like I, 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 I think wine isn't meant like, I don't know. Cause I'm a, I'm a wine personality apparently, you know, like I know that that's like how, what people associate me with. Um, I just want people to enjoy wine personally. I don't like, you know what I mean? Like it, it like, whatever that comes out in their personality or like how they're like sharing that with the world, as long as it's coming from a positive place. And as long as they're supporting, you know, um, good practices and are, are make like as long as the, anyone Wait, that so is, I like, shouldn't be bragging to the whole world about the Nazi wine that I love. Oh boy. Okay. That <laughs> I'm just gonna keep I'm not saying I'm not going any I'm not touching that without time. I'm literally before. talking about like wine from 1944 or something. Yeah, no, no, but I what what I'm saying is that like I am for anyone that is pursuing wine and pursuing to make wine the most accessible it can be. Like yeah, I hundred percent. 100%. That's it. Wine like, is, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. To, we've talked about it. I think it's interesting that beer is like sort of the 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 the, the, the more proletariat, if you will, uh, beverage, and wine. I think White Claw is, is the most. And uh, and 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 wine is the more sort of um, bourgeoisie uh, uh, beverage. But I think that wine has, for a long time, and does have a very long history of just being a, a beverage and not being something that's considered uh, 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 highly touted and should be hundreds of dollars a bottle. And, and, I, and, I think, and I think too, like, there is like a weird, like, uh, pressure, I think, for people to want, or maybe, I, I don't know, just from what I'm seeing in terms of like trends on social media and stuff, it's like, you know, sharing your love of wine doesn't mean that you have to be a personality to do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah. I feel like there's this like sudden um, press to be, um, you know, Man, like- oh, is, that, is that us, uh, pot kettle black? <laughs> no, I mean, like, I mean, I, I just don't think it should be about, like, I just think that as someone that like never meant to ever end up in this position, like I'm happy to be here, don't get me wrong, I'm extremely grateful, but I don't think like, it, it makes me nervous to think that people are pursuing that as, like is that as a goal versus like like I don't think like being a wine personality should be a goal as much as like enjoying wine and sharing that on like yeah I know what you're, uh, I know exactly what you're saying like because if you're if you're coming at it from a place of like I want to be a personality then the you're not putting the wine first you'll like, easily wine, be corrupted easily. yeah the wine the wine should come first and like yeah. where your love of wine takes you that could be very many places mine took me here um so you know um but i think it really needs to start with uh, and that's in like that does make me a bit nervous because it's like you can be bought you know like i mean the I, I could be rich during quarantine right now i've chosen not to be like the amount of money that's being thrown at like these virtual happy hours and things like that so i hope i just hope that people that are you know getting into wine and like want to be a part of the wine world and community are doing it because they genuinely love wine and want to share it with people and not for a perceived like like clout you know yeah. all right i think we have a def uh, 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 another are you ready for another one yeah let's go okay are you ready <laughs> yeah i'm down to my second wine club bitch hey this is avi uh my question is why is natural wine 
predicated on the fact that inoculation is the enemy. It seems like inoculation is cultured yeast, and that would be part of winemaking. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, if that is a tool in the winemaker's belt, I mean, why would somebody not want to taste uh, the best made wine possible? Even if it means uh, not a sterile environment taking in this year's harvest, but an environment created, uh, what do you call it, uh, you know, uh, stewarded so that wine can be the best version of itself. Look forward to hearing the answer. Bye. I think that's a good question, actually. I think it's a great question. Yeah. I, I, I think that I'm, I'm going to say, say it first. So thank you. Avi, I think that um, it is a multi-layered question. Well, let's so. uh, let's real quick for those of you that don't know. So, with natural wine, um, one of the pillars of natural wine is really to um, only use native fermentation, which means no added yeast. And while there is no such thing um, as Avi kind of pointed out, like you know, it's it, these are they're naturally cultured, but they're they're um, you can still buy it. It's sort of like think of you have to think about. Um, um cultured yeast as like buying yeast like instant yeast from a store it can also be it can also be lab it's lab created in lab it can be it, yes it, yes but it's still quote unquote natural like i did a a thing on this and like i'm going to be quick because i think adam you have a lot more to say about this as a winemaker yeah. my stance on it has always been that um because you can buy so there's a there are wineries like low intervention wineries that do have their own yeast cultivated that they can then add to their wines um and you know it's like yeast from their property or like they're you know um they pull the strongest yeast in their in their environment and then they they isolate it and they go we're going to use this yeast from our area that we isolated exactly the issue that i take up with inoculation or pitching yeast or adding yeast is that you can actually get yeast from any part of the world really and manipulate the wine into tasting like it's from somewhere it's not and for me um the 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 for natural like what i look for in a natural wine or you know or any wine let's as adam and i said in a previous episode like we're trying to get away from that so like you know wine versus artificial wine you know um you can add yeast to a wine that's from bordeaux that's cultured as bordeaux yeast. very common practice and it's a very common practice especially here in california in our history of like you know, trying to keep this like California, like big wine, big Chardonnays, whatever. So you can be adding, so people can be pitching yeast from anywhere in the world to give um, uh, like um, illusions of terroir that isn't from that area. And so that's my issue with, with, um, with pitching yeast. Um, because you don't really like as a consumer, you don't really know where that yeast is from. You don't know how it's manipulating the flavor of the wine. And I genuinely believe that a good wine should speak of its place of its fruit and its producer and, um, inoculating with yeast can actually take some of those things away in my opinion. Yeah. And I I would say, I mean, just by pure definition of, of when you say something like natural wine, which in that implication is that it is a naturally fermenting from native yeast. Um, I'm not saying that, that that inoculated wines don't have merit, don't have value, can't be good. 
can't, yeah. can't. but I, I will say that that you know in order to make sure that that cultured yeast succeeds a lot of times you're using other things to you know whether you're you're adding enzymes or so2 or you know any numerous things to make sure that those all of those processes are are happening um, it's a slippery slope. So, so if, if you're going to be a natural winemaker and you're going to say, we don't add anything I, that, that falls under yeast. And if maybe you're saying, look, we're not, we don't add enzymes. We don't, you know, we use very minimal SO2. We don't filter. We don't, but we, we add cultured yeast. I, I think that it's just, it, it's a, it, it becomes a sort of slippery slope if you will and and, and i'm not against like i said I, i'm not necessarily it's not against a, it. well it's not a, it, it, i'm not necessarily against it in terms of like when we're talking about and like like i said i want to adam and i have in previous episodes talked about trying to move away from like natural versus conventional you know there are conventional wines that pitch yeast and like they taste great you know great, like i'm not yeah. like, and they've done and, they've done an amazing job in making sure that and also really, too you know, there's people, there's people in the natural wine world who are doing things like this, you know, they're having pied de cubes, which is like, you know, they, they, yeah. they, they um, a pied de cube is, we've talked about it before, but you know, you're, you're basically taking um, part of the, the harvest beforehand to to then add, sometimes people even freeze that during that vintage then add, and, you know, that's, um, that um, it's, and some people some people could consider that you know along the same lines as like inoculating, but I what it's just a very slippery slope because um, if you're adding if you're adding cultured yeast, yeah, where 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 does it go next? And then it I also where is it from? And like what I, I just want to like my thing also too. This is this moves into like why we need transparency. Like yeah. if you're adding cultured yeast, I just want to know where it's from and why you did it. Like, I think that if we it? had ingredients lists on wine bottles, I'd be, I, I wouldn't be less, I'd still be really drawn to native ferment and it's still just yeah. something that I appreciate, but I would appreciate it a lot more if I looked at a wine bottle and it was like an actual honest representation of what's going on. I think there, there's a little bit of a, a smoke and mirror when I buy a wine and I assume that this wine is a certain way. And then I find out that it's all these other things. And, and that's, I think my biggest, I don't know, but yeah, like I, I just, I find that it, like, it it's just, just, it, this I, goes back to VA. I find that I enjoy wines that are a little bit more. I would rather have a wine that's a little fucked up and maybe has bacterial infection. Maybe not one that makes me throw up, but I'd rather. Yeah. Have Cause that, that shit fucking sucks. Then, I'm not calling then, anyone else, but. Then 100% new oak and and some sort of yeast Absolutely. strand that makes it taste like butter or something. Absolutely. And like, that's, a, that's the thing is like with the, with the yeast, it's like you can buy yeasts to make your wine taste like it's from somewhere else. Yeah. You there's know? a like yeast, there's a, there's a new yeast thing that I saw come, came out. That's literally advertising to the natural wine movement. It's like this yeast is, is we'll make sure that all this stuff. Volatile happens. acidity only. <laughs> no, but it says in there that it'll have the just the right of this yeast will have just the right amount of things to let you know for it to taste natural. And I was like, wow. And it's just it just feels dishonest. It does. It does. Um, and it, it and again, it's just a slippery slope. But it, this is why everything should move toward transparency because there are yeah. winemakers that we allow to filter that we don't talk about that are very you know like like that you know some winemakers filter but we don't talk about but other winemakers filter and they're and like certain stores won't won't carry them you know it's um i i really look forward to 
the day when we just have ingredient labels so people can decide for themselves like what is appropriate for them yeah um it, so um well this i feel like we got in we have, some like hard we have we have one more we have one more oh one more one more okay i was like whoa all right ready yeah let's go hi uh this is matt i was wondering if i can't find a wine on vivino does the wine really exist um or is it just imaginary thank you <laughs> that was very uh, uh deadpan i really appreciate that i really appreciate uh, that Matt. I don't really. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's weird. I. I if yes, the wine, wines. Yes, of course the, they exist. They exist. Okay, as someone that, the the thing is that people like have to submit the picture of the wine to the apps for well, them. I want to check is if any of my wines are on Vivino. How do I do that? I I use Delectable, but the thing is, is that there's been plenty, plenty, plenty of times when I am trying to look up a wine on Delectable, or you know, I take a photo of a bottle of wine and and I have to upload it to Vivino or not Vivino, but Delectable, either one. And basically, you have to like wait what? for them. Give me a second, and then you have to. I I believe your wines are on there. Why are you surprised? I don't know. It means they exist. <laughs> it does mean they exist. But also, too, if the wine is not up, up there, it generally means that it's really a, a small batch wine and no, not enough people have probably uploaded pictures slash um, descriptions of it. Because I know there's a lot of wines. I, I don't use the apps as much as I used to just because it got to be too much with, like, everything else in my life. And I'm like, everyone goes to my Instagram anyways. Um, but you have to up like like if i take a picture of a wine and like it's a lot of times it has to be uploaded and approved by the by the the delectable or vivino team and like so if, if it's not on there it probably just means that not enough people have been taking pictures and been you, like why the fuck isn't this wine on here you took this joke question very seriously and i appreciate it uh you don't know it was a joke <laughs> Like, you don't know, Matt might be serious. Also, I'm That's sure true. he's not, but for those people out there that are like, why isn't this on there? I want them to know. It's probably because none of people are taking fucking photos of it and asking for the, the team to be like, I want a team member. Because you have to like click yeah. the button. Like, I want a team member to look at this. Um, so yeah, well, that was the last one. I thought that we That was the more. last one. No, that's oh. all of them. Well, I think our first episode of Drunk Dial was really fun. Yeah, we're and anybody who wants to call in, please do. Again, please call 213-213-245-1503. Leave a message. As you heard, you can leave one up to three minutes long, it turns out. <laughs> uh, so leave whatever you want, um, and we'll answer it. And when we have enough of them uh, saved up to do an, a full episode, we'll do another full episode. Um, the plan... The plan moving forward is that we'd like to do one of these episodes every month um, yes. and hear from you guys. And um, once again, thank you for all the kind words from um, our, our call-ins. Like, obviously, we are not... I was honestly expecting people to just be like, fuck y'all! Um, but, you know, thank you so much for the kind words and thank you so much for taking the time to call in and chat with us. Um, because Adam and I are not able to hang out and uh, with quarantine and also to like, I had, you know, with my, with my shingles thing, like I haven't really been, um, drinking as, you know, I, I really had like a month off of drinking wine. So it's, um, really nice to have your guys's questions to, um, help us like, you know, and, and also hopefully help other people and thank you. Yeah.
Cool. Yeah, thank you guys very much. And uh, stay yeah. safe. Stay, stay safe, safe. And 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 uh, be good. And do we have? We don't really have a sign off. And uh, and well, we love you. Bye. Bye.